Welcome back to the 10 Tabs Open Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Howell. And today on episode three, we have a very good friend of mine, John Teasdale from Literacy KC. He's the deputy director and chief development officer over there. And John just has an amazing story that is quintessential Kansas City, quintessential Missouri. His uh, dad was the governor of the state of Missouri. John went uh, to Rockhurst High School, eventually Rockhurst University, but along the way he just happened to stop at a little university called the University of Notre Dame and played on their well-known football team as an offensive lineman. John is one of the most positive people that I know. He has a great personality and he has some amazing stories that you'll hear today. His uh, organization has been fantastic and he has been in the nonprofit sector for quite some time. So hope you guys enjoy. Thanks a lot for listening. So we have John Teasdale, the third episode of the 10 Tabs Open podcast, and he is the Deputy Director and Chief Development Officer for Literacy KC. How's it going, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me. <laughs> now that we've had like a full conversation right before we start this thing. <laughs> 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 Got to catch up. It's been too long. Exactly. Yeah. It has been. Like, it, one of the most disappointing things to me, and I know we talk about this every time, but I realize it because I can never get the reminders to stop, are the... Kansas City Club meetings. I know. It's like all the 12-12 club meetings still show up, and it's almost just torture. Like, dude, come on, man. It's <laughs> such sadness that yeah. that place went away. That was such a great time. Good yeah. people. Have you heard anything about the building since then? I believe they have turned it into like a rental office workout facility event space. Oh, interesting. But yeah, I, I don't know how it's doing. I, I know it's open. Yeah. But yeah, I, I hope it's doing well. Yeah. But. I'll just sneak in there and see if they still have the green carpet from the 1212. I know. <laughs> I, I need to sneak in there too. See if they have the wall of fame still going. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that video you posted was awesome to see. And then I was just like, <laughs> it's just the so sad it yeah. went away. That was such good times. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely and it, it gave me also the excuse to go downtown every once in a while because I'm so like I feel like I live I work least summit Blue Springs and you know mm-hmm. that kind of corridor and then the only time I go downtown is when I see Nikki or when we go to an event somewhere. So. Yeah. That's awesome. But you're downtown all the time because you live in Brookside and then literally you can see it's at like 30th and Troost, right? 31st and Troost. Yeah. 31st and yeah. Troost. And that's a newer location? Yeah. yeah. Since uh, August. It was originally a Jones store building. Oh, nice. Uh, then Operation Breakthrough, who's one of the uh, one of the best, if not the best, children's um, education and service agencies mm-hmm. bought the building as an extension because they needed to double in size. Oh, nice. And then they wanted to, uh, uh, they wanted an organization who could um, continue their education programs and educate the parents of the Operation Breakthroughs kids. Gotcha. So they reached out to us and invited us to be a part of it, and we said, let's get it on. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So what have you guys seen since you moved in in August? Like, what's the, what's kind of been the one, the goal, but two, like what has gone on since then? Oh, it, it's changed the game. We've uh, we've nearly doubled in size ourselves in just the first semester wow. we've been in there. Yeah, <laughs> um, we have a huge our logo, our sign faces the. There's a huge ATA bus stop right mm-hmm. across the street, so it faces that. Nice. Um, and most of our students use public transportation, but just having our logo and our name at that intersection, which is totally turning over and changing, not just Operation Breakthrough, but there's a lot of other. Um, kind of community services and, yeah. and other things that we're a part of. So just being in that footprint has just 
it's taking us to the next level already. That's awesome. And I know like the Truce Corridor is one that the city has been looking at for quite some time, but is the 30th and Truce area, is that one that they've really focused on? Or is that just you guys and a few other organizations that have really come through and kind of put your foot forward and said, we're going to make this different? I, I think it's a little bit of everything. The city, the county, um, the property owners um, are very united and and turning that neighborhood into um, much more uh, active, co yeah. coherent, a lot of collaborations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all, really all stakeholders there have, um, I think, kind of agreed that it's better to work together and, yeah. and help each other. Well, that's awesome. And uh, the Lursa KC organization, like I was looking them up, because I mean, I know you work there and I've obviously heard about them through a bunch of different people, but to actually look them up on their site at literacykc.org, like you hit programs and there's half a page worth of mm -hmm. programs that you all have. I mean, I know that you're the development officer, but I mean, you've got to be, you know, intimately involved in some of those too. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing that surprises, not surprises me, that's the wrong word, but one thing that really kind of inspires me with your organization is you have all of those programs and you look at the history because they have a nice like about us section mm -hmm. about what they've done, where they've been through their mission. But I mean, you guys have something that I think a lot of non-for-profits maybe, um, maybe don't have the focus on, but it really seems like the board of directors and the staff says, you know, there's not a question of where the money's coming from. It's a question, or not a question of if the money's going to come, it's where it's coming from. And so we have to go out and find it mm -hmm. and then hear the programs about why. Exactly. So, I mean, you've got a lot of staff, you have a lot of programs. I mean, who would you say is the kind of the, the head cheese who's putting all that together and kind of making everybody focus on that goal? Oh, uh, Jillian Helm, our executive director has been uh, just fantastic. She's been at Literacy KC for, I believe, seven years. Oh, wow. Um, executive director, a uh, little over three. Gotcha. Um, but she and our board and, and, and everybody really, I think, does a great job of just focusing on on literacy cases one piece of the poverty puzzle because mm -hmm. of people living in poverty there's all kinds of issues that that um, they face our one piece is education is the ability to read and write mm -hmm. do math use computers use email yeah. um, and then for everything outside of our um, target area that's where the collaborations come in Gotcha. Um, but yeah, Jillian's been awesome of, of keeping us focused on our mission. Awesome. And when you, uh, you know, when you've got all of these programs and you've got all this staff and you have, uh, you know, it seems like a thousand events. It seems like every time I talk to you, you're organizing <laughs> something. But when you have all of that going, I mean, that's that gives people, you know, that's a long conversation to have about what we do, how we do it, what our focus is. And, you know, you can keep going and going and going. But, you know, you and I have been out and had drinks or gone out for lunch or something like that. And you normally have like a 60 second spiel to somebody when you're like, hey, here's this. Can you guys provide something? And, you know, whether it's a gift card or mm -hmm. donation or whatever it might be, like what's your 60 second spiel to somebody who's just like, what the hell is Liberty Literacy KC? Yeah, it, it's not 60 seconds. It's about 15 <laughs> seconds. Um, but I and it's it's nice because people can relate to it. It's not rocket science. I just tell people that we help adults and families read and write, do math and email, so they can get jobs. Yeah, leave public assistance, help their kids with homework. Nice. And and that's really what we do. That's what our impact is. Yeah. And well, that's a I mean that's a basic thing where that I mean that's going to bring out some emotion to people too. Like mm -hmm. that's to think about helping your kids with homework and some people aren't able to do that. I mean, that's, that's a real, that's a big, a big deal. So that's awesome that you guys are doing it. And on, 
And on the John Teasdale side, I think you know everybody in Kansas City at this point. It's like between you and Jake Jacobson, I think you've got all 2.1 million people in the Kansas City area covered. Yeah, but uh, but you've got a really cool history too because you, I mean, you went to Rockhurst uh, High School, mm-hmm. played football there, mm-hmm. and did you grow up playing football? Was that just always in the back? Because you're you're a big guy. Yeah, you're, you're not like five eleven like me. You're what are you six six six? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I actually grew up. Uh, I was a swimmer and a basketball player were kind of my first two loves. And then as I progressed through high school and saw that there was an opportunity to get a free education from a football scholarship that was pretty appealing too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so you got, I mean, so you went to Rockhurst and then the big step, you know, Rockhurst is absolutely amazing, especially in Kansas city. But when you are able to say that you played football for the university of Notre Dame, that's, that's a big, you know, chest pumping swell with pride kind of moment. So how did that happen from, you know, Rockhurst high school to starting for the university of Notre Dame? Um, so I went on my visit and I took a late visit to Notre Dame, um, because we were in basketball season. So I had to wait until we had a, a break over a weekend, which doesn't happen often in the basketball, uh, high school schedule. Um, but I just remember the, the main thing I remember was that it was snowing the whole time we were up there and it was just gorgeous. And yeah. we stayed at a hotel off campus and it was snowing at night and you could see the golden dome and my nice. mom like kind of started just to cry at the beauty. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I think I'll do this. <laughs> Plus being growing up and I still am Irish Catholic. If, yeah. if Notre Dame says, Hey, we, we want you then. Then you're gone. You say yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it wasn't a hard decision at all. I mean, it was really a dream come true. And how many other colleges or colleges were looking at you at the time? Uh, there were several. Um, Stanford, Northwestern were appealing. I really like K-State Yeah. because um, I'd, I'd love Coach Snyder. He's a hell of a guy. Um, and I wanted to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. And they have one of the best vet schools in the country. Nice. Yeah, my niece was looking at that, too. She ended up going nice. to Drury for undergrad. But, yeah, she was really looking heavy at Kansas State. Yeah, it was. Yeah. it's a top-notch facility. It was very impressive. Yeah. And so you get to Notre Dame. How many years did you start? Like, what was the – what's the process when you become – like, when you know you're going to be, you know, the fighting Irish? Like, what's the process from, you know – young green John Teasdale coming on campus for the first time to senior John Teasdale. I was so scared that first year. The guys were so huge. Um, So I redshirted my first year, played on the scout team, um, just got bigger and stronger and and lifted weights twice a day, it seemed like. Um, Then I played sparingly my sophomore year, um, special teams, kind of a backup role. Um, Then started my junior year, started my senior year, and then went back for my fifth year um, to try to go higher in the draft. And then that's when I injured the nerve in my neck, and uh, that ended my career. But got my degree and traveled the country, made a lot of good friends. It was just an incredible experience. Yeah, and it's it's something that's pretty amazing because I know you talk about, um, is it St. Patrick's Day or is it Irish Fest that Kansas City has where you do the march, like with the, the alumni and all that? Oh, um, for Notre Dame? I think so. We do, well, for St. Patrick's Day, I walk with the Gaelic Athletic Club. Oh, that's right. In yeah. town. Um, but the Notre Dame Club participates in the Gaelic Mass um, over uh, Irish Fest over Labor Day. That's the mass that they say in Irish. Oh, uh, yeah, it's really cool. <laughs> it is really something. That's awesome. Yeah. So when do you still do alumni events like throughout? Because I know you've met the coach at least once. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Coach Kelly came last year. Yeah. Um, and then I was honored the this last fall um, with the, the alumni club, uh, I guess, recognizes 
one person a year with the father, Theodore Hesburgh, who was the long, long-time president at Notre Dame, yeah. uh, with an award, and I was very um, humbled that they recognized me with that wow. this last year. Yeah, that's awesome. was pretty cool. Well, you're, uh, your family's got quite the history. I mean, you've got you that obviously has had success at, at every level. I mean, going from high school football, and obviously before that, I'm sure, you know, at 6'6", six, six and even <laughs> slightly lower, you're probably pretty, pretty good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty good. <laughs> and then, you know, scholarship to Notre Dame athlete, Notre Dame starter. Obviously unfortunate that you had the the neck injury, but at the same time, like you go back and I mean, you've worked at several nonprofits. You've worked, you know, you had a stint with a, you know, an insurance company, but yeah. then came back in a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people when I talk about you, it's like, you know, it's cool that he, you know, played at Notre Dame and he's done all those things. And, you know, I'm sure there are stories galore, but the thing that I was the most impressed at is one of the organizations that you worked for in the last few years, um, you came in kind of, I, th I think, in similar capacity to where you are now. Mm -hmm. And there were, you know, we kind of talked about the fact that they had had events, but when you came on board, it was at the, what is it, Miner's Studio? Dane Miner's Studio, Dane Miner yeah. Studio. Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely packed wall-to-wall -wall people and just an absolute success. And I probably saw more people at that event and had heard about it at that point then I don't know if it was something bigger than they'd ever seen, but it was absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. And I tell people, it's like, that's just his Rolodex. Like, just gets on the phone. Like, he has no <laughs> fear about talking to people. And that's such a, that is not a, a, a normal skill these days to just be able to send emails, talk to people, get on the phone, and you have it in spades. And that's amazing. So I'm Thank sure you. that, uh, I mean, that event had to be a lot of work up, but then you just worked the room. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And yeah, that event was very successful. It sold out weeks in advance and yeah. um broke the record for the revenue grossed and yeah. um luckily been able to translate that to literacy casey absolutely and so uh, what what goes into an event like that i mean when somebody says we're going to do and you know maybe it's events that they've had in the past that you have a, a scheme but if you come in and they say we're going to try this new thing here you go john what, mm -hmm. what's your first step outside of like calling people <laughs> first step is to call people <laughs> you can tell how much i know about this yeah. stuff <laughs> um so the I, I guess kind of the main infrastructure and the bones is just to get the date and the venue get the caterers um set up the bar um, kind of get the vendors set up um and then put together the sponsorship package and um and lean on the board of directors who have always been very supportive um for their own contribution, their companies, their network, yeah. um, and then kind of uh, start working my contact list. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it all goes back to just telling the story, having a compelling case, yeah. um, which I feel we do at Literacy KC, and mm -hmm. um, luckily our, our message resonates with people. Yeah. And what's the, um, you know, I know that there are a lot of programs, I don't want to like point one out and say this is the only one, but mm -hmm. what is the thing that you know, you can kind of point to and say, like, this is our oldest program. This is where, you know, we kind of hang our hat and say, this is what we've had from the very beginning. This mm -hmm. is the one that kind of holds our message. Yeah, we um, that program's called Ticket to Read. It's an adult basic education program. Mm -hmm. um, so it's classroom-based where we pay an instructor, a certified teacher, to lead the class. They're supported by trained volunteer tutors mm -hmm. who kind of serve as classroom assistants. So then it's about 10 to 15 students per class. Um, they meet, um, if it's a weekday class, they meet twice a week for two hours or the Saturday class meets for four hours Oh wow! because they just meet for once a week. Yeah. Um, but we level our classes. So our curriculum, um, kind of goes from a, a very beginning reader level, kindergarten ish, um, mm -hmm. skill set, ABCDs, 
um, the word trees at bat fat cat. Yep. Um, yeah, you know that from oh, your yeah. boys, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, they're, they're, my first son is really taken off with letters and it's like, Oh my gosh, I got I don't know what he's going to be doing in the next couple of years, but it's going to be, it's going to come fast. Awesome. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, and then our curriculum goes up to about a high schoolish range, but that's our, our kind of our meat and potatoes. Our core program is the, is the teaching, um, reading, writing, comprehension, when, once they're at that level, then we interweave um, digital computer skills. Nice. And all of our classes, yeah, there's a, amazingly about one-third of students who are brand new to us never touched a computer, don't have an email address. Oh, man. And when you think about yeah. it, like just something like applying for a job. Yeah. I mean, Sending a message to an old friend, applying for a job. Like you said, yeah. homework with your kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's not necessarily the most basic thing, especially, you know, some of the homework that they come home with. But at the same time, like when you're talking about, you know, younger kids, you want to be able to do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, what a, you know, what an unfortunate thing, but also what an ability that you guys have. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's been fantastic. I, I think one of our oldest students is, I think she's in her early 80s. Oh, wow. Yeah, but she um, had to take over care, primary care for her grandkids. Yeah. Um, something happened with the mom, I don't know, but um, she had trouble reading three syllable words to oh, her man. grandkids. So she came to us and. And those grandkids are going to be better off for the, the work and kind of sacrifice she's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Well, so talk about the, you know, one of the oldest program, the, the main, the main program, quote unquote, if you will. But when, um, when you think about literacy KC, I think I read that it's been around since 1985. Mm -hmm. So who was, whose brainchild was it? Who started the organization? So that, um, was founded by, um, oh my gosh, I'm having a brain spasm. <laughs> I have those all the I time. I can see her picture. <laughs> um, it was founded by a, a group of volunteers okay. who I, I think a number of them were educators, but gotcha. I, I think they were frustrated. Um, and this is all hearsay from uh, different stuff. People have told me it's been so long mm -hmm. um, that they were frustrated with the school district they worked for because they were just passing kids through, mm -hmm. um, even though they weren't educating him. So they recognized that. Um, and it, it was true then, it's true today, about one out of 10 adults struggle with literacy. Yeah. Um, so they volunteered and one out started of 10. A, yeah. I'm sorry, I just had to do a double take on that. Yeah, and, and that's a nationwide stat, unfortunately. Wow. But yeah, about one out of 10 reads um, eighth grade level or below, about one out of 20 reads, it's basically functionally illiterate. Yeah. Uh, but they founded us, we were called Lawbach Literacy. That was kind of the curriculum of adult gotcha. basic ed back then. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we operated out of the basement of a church for a long time. <laughs> we had no money, no paid staff, no, yeah. no fundraising. Um, but yeah, they just did it out of the, the goodness of their hearts, and yeah. we've kind of evolved um, pretty drastically since then. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And I looked it up. It's um, I have the benefit of having a computer in front of me, but Catherine Matthews, is that right? Yes, that okay. is her name. Thank you. Yeah. Um, my, I, my I only do that four times a day, so I totally Thank understand. You. Yeah, I can see her picture. I can't believe I... Wow. Yeah, my, well, my team is going to give me a hard time on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I'll give you a st the worst one I've ever had. I worked at a, a bank when I was in Sedalia, and there were people that trained me and worked with me every day. And the very first, uh, very first Christmas party, um, I brought a, uh, a friend with me, and I was going through and introducing everybody. So I was introducing, you know, this is Rob. He's the president. This is uh, Jesse. She works with me in operations. This is Denise. And I got to somebody that literally was on my right side you know, I worked there probably four days a week mm -hmm. part time, and she was probably there with me three of the six hours that I worked there every <laughs> week. 
or three of the six hours that I worked there every single day. And uh, I went up to her and totally blanked. <laughs> and it's her and her husband and about 12 people that I work with just standing in a semicircle around me as I'm introducing. <laughs> and I just had to like own it. Like, yeah, my brain just went away. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I know that fun. So Literacy at KC, it starts in 1985. It's in, a, in the basement of a church. And then it sounds like they just kind of start getting funding. So what's the... You know, you've got the up curve and, you know, you start seeing like more and more programs come in and then you're at, um, I think it was Happy Bottoms, right? Yes. The organization that you were mm-hmm. in, um, you went from that organization to Literacy KC, like what drew you in? Because I know that you're, you know, when you have a story, that's what we've talked about. That's like when there's a good story and it's a nonprofit organization, that's where you like to be. Mm-hmm. And so what drew you in from Literacy KC? Was it an individual or was it a story or was it a combination? Uh, it was a combination. Um just working kind of professional wise. I knew when, when Jillian started recruiting me, um, that we were going to embark on a capital campaign to move to a new space. And that enticed me because I had never done a capital campaign before. And what is a capital campaign? Um, when you specifically raise money to obtain a new space and add new programming, which which is, uh, we're, we're winding that up. Um, but they were nice enough. I attended a staff meeting and got to meet the, the team and, and really respected them. Um, but what, put me over the top is what I went to their Christmas party and I met one of our students who's still one of our students. His, his name's John as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he told me his story. He had been incarcerated, was functionally illiterate and was going to literacy KC working two part-time jobs. Um, and just very impressive and very genuine guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I met him and, and heard how he wants to, you know, get more involved with his kids and grandkids lives, help them out. And yeah, I kind of thought to myself, yeah, I, I could do that every yeah. day. <laughs> I, 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 I could fight for students like John. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. Well, it's, to me, it's amazing because when you look at situations where you've got somebody like that who, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people want to hear incarcerated, their brain shuts down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, nope, I'm, no, uh uh-uh. But it amazes me when you meet individuals like that, when you have those one-on-one, you know, just kind of personal experiences. But, and I've always told people this as well, it's like, if you travel, just get, and you can travel within your own city, you can travel with that, you know, within the United States, but especially if you travel outside of the country, you're going to realize something, and that's that you and the average other person, no matter what that person looks like, where they're from, you know, any of their background information, no matter what, you're going to realize you have a lot more in common with them than you realize. And I really, I'd never known that until we went out of the country several times. And, you know, you read, you know, or watch the news or you read an article and, you know, it's, especially these days, it seems like nine out of 10 are bad, Mm -hmm. but you hear these things and you just kind of look around and go like, well, how, you know, how is everybody else not as normal as, as we are Mm -hmm. in my space and my bubble? And then you step outside and just go, yeah, they are, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody like that might've just had, you know, a bad element growing up and is trying to better themselves now. Somebody that's overseas might have zero to do with their government or their corporation or anything like that. They're just trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. And so being with an organization like that, not only in the span that you have also worked with other nonprofits, but you know, kind of who you're working with, I mean, that has to open your eyes quite a bit to mm-hmm. what people are going through. It does. Yeah. And I totally agree. I think there's more things that unite us than divide us, but, mm-hmm. um, and all of our students are, um, we set, individual goals for each student and by far all of our students want better jobs they want to make more money they want their kids to be successful and have better opportunities than they had themselves and I mean I think pretty much that that 
everybody would yeah. want that the same, opportunity. Yeah, the yeah. same story as everybody else if you just took away who, what who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? what zip code were you born in? Exactly. Did you grow up in a single-parent household? Or mm-hmm. um, Yeah, there's just a, um, a very underlining element mm-hmm. of what we do and what our students want to accomplish. Nice. And is there, a, is there you know, because you think about people who go to certain high schools or go to certain colleges, whenever they get out, they want to go back mm-hmm. and, like, help that organization. Do you have a lot of that kind of repeat thing? Like we do. A lot yeah. of success here, so I'm going to come back and help out other people that were like me. Yeah, we have a, a student needs committee, for example, who's either current or former students who are involved in um, helping our students with things outside of our wheelhouse, like mm-hmm. getting um, bus passes or eyeglasses, things like that. Um, and then we have a lot of students who – um, are willing to tell their stories either through mail or email fundraising and marketing things or to speak at events. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually have a, a wait list because students really nice. like to speak at our events, which is fantastic because yeah. that's what the, the donor community, that's who they want to hear from of yeah. what difference Literacy KC has made in, in our students' lives. And it, it's some pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, I mean, that just speaks to your mission. I mean, you know, you go to you know, name the name the event around town, and it is all focused around one story, or you know, several stories, but one story in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just how you get your message across. Like, this is how we help. Or, you know, sometimes on the opposite side, you say, this is what didn't happen for somebody. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're trying to change. Yeah. And so, especially with an organization that's been around for 30 years, I mean, I'm sure you guys have a lot of stories with people. And so, you have a waiting list. How many events do you have every year? I mean, uh, we have three main events. Gotcha. Uh, we do a trivia night in January. Um, we do either a luncheon or a dinner event in the spring. And then our big signature event is we do a spelling bee. A spelling bee. Yeah. <laughs> co- companies will sponsor a team of three employees to spell as a team. Um, and it's very competitive. There's a huge trophy that's at stake, bragging rights, live silent auction. It is an awesome event. That's fantastic. Yeah. And how many people normally attend that one? Uh, this year we're shooting for 500. Wow. Th- this is our 25th spelling bee silver anniversary. Gotcha. So we're going to go big. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. And when is that? Uh, it's Friday, September 13th at the Abbott. At the Abbott? Yes. And, and where is the Abbott located? About 19th and Cherry. It's kind of a new, oh, yeah. new event space, but it is gorgeous. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a great venue. Well, very cool. So, you know, I assume if it's in September, you guys are already starting to go hard and heavy even on that event. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. we um, got a great committee uh, already formed. Uh, one of our board members is chairing it. He's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. He's pretty sure he's got the, the inside loop on getting a classic car nice. for an auction item oh. um, but yeah the um, sponsorships are starting to come in and yeah um it being the 25th anniversary of this event we're counting on it to be very successful gotcha and in any of those events i mean whether it's a smaller event or a larger event do you guys ever partner with some of the other organizations that you work with i mean the breakthrough organization mm-hmm. or anything else is it ever a partnership or do you guys just kind of help each other out for your events yeah it's more help each other out gotcha. um there's a few like grants that we'll partner on and and approach some some big funders on um for example there's a domestic violence shelter that's right around the corner from us mm-hmm. and a lot of their moms need uh, high school diplomas so we've applied a few times for funding specifically for that group's moms to, to for them to be able to come to our class nice um for free and get their high school diplomas oh that's fantastic so, yeah and what, for, just because this is something that I am, I've always been fascinated by, but I have never really known what's going on with it. When you're talking about grants and funding, I remember looking at this for a, a company that I worked for a little while ago, 
And it was just an insane process for a business to ask for, you know, just an, a small investment in something. Mm-hmm. So I've got to imagine that you guys are a 501c3? Yes. So I've got to imagine that for a 501c3 organization, there is a very, uh, like, a pile of paperwork that you have to go through to actually get all this done. Who do you, do you guys have a service that you do? Do you have somebody in-house? Like, what's the process for actually getting those grants? Yeah, we have a person in-house. Um, okay. and then I assist a lot, and Jillian, our executive director, helps um, but we, we, uh, approach mainly corporate foundations, family foundations. Mm-hmm. Um, so the process is, it, it is complex, but it's not overbearing gotcha. compared to other grants, for example, like government grants, mm-hmm. state grants, where the, the paperwork and the red tape is almost mind numbing yeah. and, <laughs> and the detail and the reporting. Yeah. Um, but luckily because we have been around for so long, we have, um, a pretty good system set up. Gotcha. Um, for for our grant writer to be successful. <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, how many? I guess when you talk, so you have a grant writer, you have you, the chief development officer, um, your executive director. How many people are actually like full full time staff and part time staff in your organization? I mean, how big are we? Because you said you doubled so yes. in the last few months, yeah. which is insane. Yeah. But I mean, how awesome. I saw your website, and there's there's definitely like staff mm-hmm. listed. But I mean, how many do you guys have? Um, so our instructors, most of them are part-time, um, and I'm give me a little wiggle room. I want to say we're maybe 15 full-time oh, wow. and probably seven or eight part-time, and gotcha. then the part-timers are, are the, the, the folks who teach the classes. Yeah, I mean, that's not a small organization. That's mm-hmm. a large, I mean, that's big, and especially if you guys are continuing to grow. Yeah. 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 We've added new programming. Um, we've added an English language learner program to teach people the English language mm-hmm. who will the goal is to have them um, come into our adult basic education program once they get the grasp of the English language and then starting next month in March we're going to add a GED high set which is the high school equivalency mm-hmm. a preparatory program for that and there's a huge need for that um, the biggest uh, I guess supplier of that program had to close its doors about a year and a half ago oh, wow. and and we couldn't add that program till we came into our new space just because we didn't have the classroom space. Yeah. Um, so we'll add that next month. Oh, well, that's is, awesome. Yeah, it's going to be great. Very good. We get calls about it every day I'm from sure. people who, who want that program. So it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, well, especially if the other place closed their doors. I mean, you guys are feeling a huge need at that. But yeah. like it's, I mean, and it, probably a huge need even before they closed their doors, but especially now. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's incredible. And so when you're, you know, one thing that I'm always happy to talk about with regard to Kansas City is how many, um, or at least how active the city has been the last few years about really trying to get Kansas City on the map. And, mm-hmm. you know, we think Sly's done a good job at least, like, really kind of being the, the voice or at least the face and trying mm-hmm. to grow things. But the city government overall has at least seemed to step up and kind of say, like, we want Kansas City to grow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, whether or not you agree with certain projects or disagree with certain projects, I think it's important that the city is involved with, especially, you know, with everything, but especially with organizations like you and being able to say, like, okay, what do you need from us? Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to grow as a city, and especially with a program like yours where, I mean, you're talking about a huge need. I mean, obviously with the GED program, that's giant. But just getting people to be able to even take that test is huge. Mm-hmm. So do you guys work with the city? I mean, you said you work with the city, county a lot. What's that look like when you guys are talking to them? Are there certain individuals with the city or with the county that come to you? Or is it, you know, you guys reach out to them and say, hey, here's what we have or here's where we need help? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. all um, kind of the local municipalities have been very supportive. 
Mayor Sly, for example, spoke at our fundraising luncheon last spring. Oh, nice. Um, and yeah, and, and with his focus on the kindergarten readiness and third grade reading level, mm -hmm. and he knew exactly how important um, because, you know, kind of like you said with your kids, reading starts at home. Yeah. And so he understood that our our students, our adult students, impact their kids' educations, and mm -hmm. um, and he tied that in. Um, but it's uh, all the city council, all the Jackson County legislature, um, the KCPS school board superintendent wow. have been very supportive of what we do. We partner with all them, Penn Valley, Metropolitan, Community College, Independent School District. I mean, we've been wow. really fortunate um, to have a lot of good supporters um, on the the on that kind of front because I think they understand that ultimately um, literacy KC's um, fulfillment for the community is that we increase our 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 students um, earning potential and income we decrease the public assistance yep. welfare uh, because we get students off, pu off uh, public assistance mm -hmm. and so that's a that's a good investment to make in, in people yeah and the in the classroom environment, and I know that the, they have instructors, and they're, but I'm sure you're involved in that, or at least know that that's going on. You know, when you're talking about um, like the the students themselves, mm -hmm. like when they're in the classroom environment. I mean, just going back to school with us, it's like you kind of have camaraderie, and they're you know people that form. I mean, is that in, I don't want to say is that encouraged because it seems pretty obvious that it probably is in some ways, mm -hmm. but. When you're talking about the inside the classroom environment, I'm sure it's not just like we, you know, we sit here, we learn, and we have no communication back and forth. Mm -hmm. Like, do they kind of encourage, like, you guys need to get together, you guys need to help each other. Like, this is this is us doing this so that everybody succeeds. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's a very family kind of environment. Um, one thing we keep hearing from students <clears throat> is that um, you know there are people out there who, for example, they're 40 years old and can't help their third grade kid with their homework. Mm -hmm. um, and they think they're the only one in town with that issue. Yeah. And then they come to Literacy KC, they see that there are other people trying to address the same needs and and, and, uh, and make that improvement in their lives. Yeah. Um, and then plus we're, you know, we're social creatures. We learn from each other. Yeah. So if one student is struggling with this, odds are other students may be too. Yeah. Um, so it's very camaraderie. Um, I, I wish you could see it like before and after yeah. class, just the laughing and the joking that's, that's going awesome. on. It, it's, it's pretty special. That's fantastic. I mean, I, I was watching, I think it was another podcast. I don't think it was an article that I read, but it was, they had somebody on that was a, a social psychologist and they were like, that's part of the, you know, their theory was that part of the reason that we've seen, you know, so many, you know, such an increase in depression in the last, you know, 10 to 20 years is because, we are social creatures and a lot of the things that we do now take us out of that social environment where somebody like you just thrives in social environments. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just either don't have that or they're not put in a situation where they can. And with people that work from home or, you know, even some children's education now is almost a hundred percent based online, if not a hundred percent based online. Mm -hmm. you, know, you think about kids growing up like video games. And I mean, even, you know, even my generation, I'm 32 now. And when I think about my generation, it's like, there are people that I know that have a, tough time when I call them, like just having a conversation. And mm -hmm. if you take that out and you see that we're social creatures that are now put into individual environments, that's what you see. So if somebody not only isn't interacting with people on a day-to-day -day basis, but also thinks that they're alone in that feeling, that's mm -hmm. got to be rough. It's Yeah, I empathize with our students. I, yeah. I wish I could put myself directly in their, myself in their shoes, but 
yeah. I can't, but yeah, the um, that's really the biggest step for our students is mm -hmm. to um, to have the courage and, and the belief in themselves to take that step to yeah. come into class because as soon as you're in class, you're not the only one. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and they've survived their whole lives and and competed in workplace environments without being able to read. I don't know how they did. Yeah. Um, but they they have. Yeah. Um, so be, so to be able to um, realize that 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 opportunity is needed and that the change can be made is yeah. um, pretty amazing that our students can do that. Yeah. And this might be a question for you as an individual, not to your organization, or it might be something that the organization discusses uh, uh, as well. But you hit on earlier that, um, you know, with one in 10 people struggling with, you know, with um, being illiterate in this country, that has to point a little bit to the education system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from my opinion, and maybe this is wrong, but it does seem like a lot of people teach for the test. And I don't, you know, like this isn't a teacher's thing or anything like that. This is a just a true total environment mm -hmm. of environment. Put the wrong emphasis on the wrong side. <laughs> but uh, this is just completely the environment. But if the goal is to push kids along, then it doesn't necessarily mean that you're focusing on the kid. Mm -hmm. And so when you all as an organization see this happening and somebody comes out of high school, you know, especially the ones that have a high school diploma and then you catch up to them five, 10, 20 years later and all of a sudden they're almost illiterate. Like what happened between K through 12 that allowed you to slip by being illiterate? Mm -hmm. And what's, what do you guys hear when you come through the door? Is it like they just pushed them along or what's the story? Uh, there's, there's a lot of just pushed along. I think about roughly half of our students report either having attended high school or have a high school diploma. Um, but it's a mix of being pushed along. It's a mix of, um, like I know one of our students, Charlotte, would, would she told us that on testing days in high school, she'd just go and hide out in the bathroom, and somehow she just kept getting C's and oh, man. and just kept <clears throat> pushing along. And then yeah, she turns around and yeah, she can't even pay bills and stuff. Yeah. Um, and but um, honestly, some of it is um, parents who. Um, got pregnant early and had to drop out of high school to take yeah. care of their babies. We see a lot of that, um, especially with the partnership of Operation Breakthrough. Um, so all their parents are really tr trying hard and, and doing good jobs. Um, well, and those parents probably realize that this is ridiculously important, so they're pushing their kids to... Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Our, our math class is actually maxed out right now. Oh, wow. um, we can't add more students because so many of Operation Breakthrough's moms um, were pregnant young and had to drop out. And then now they're working for their GED, their high school equivalency, and they need a math refresher to, yeah. before they take the test. Wow. So they drop their kids off and then come across the street to us. Wow. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's been great. Well, that's great. And I mean, to see, to, you know, individually with those students, that's got to be, you know, an inspiration to the organization, too, to be able to say, like, these people are brave enough to kind of, you know, I don't want to say put aside their ego, but that's really what it is. Like, they're brave enough to put aside their ego, mm -hmm. you know, because a lot of people just say, ah, I don't need it or I've waited this long without it. But they know it's important, and it's important to them. And it's like, you know what? I've got to finally just admit it and go back. Mm -hmm. And to be able to have somebody that's that brave walk through the door, it's like, okay, that's got to be 80% of the mission at that point. Now yeah. it's just studying. Now mm -hmm. it's doing the thing that you said you'd come to do. Yeah, very much so, yeah. A yeah. lot of our students say that they want to improve their own lives, but also through that to be an example for their kids. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a resonating um, aspect that we see all the time. It's, that's awesome. It's pretty awesome, yeah. yeah. As you know, as you see that, and people that are coming through, and you know they're doing it for their kids, and they, you know, you know their influences in the background. I mean, that's got to be pretty, 
Um, pretty amazing to you because I know that you come from a, a very good family, a family that cares a lot about you know mm-hmm. you and your success. And I'm going to bring him up because it's just the coolest story ever. But your dad was walking Joe Teasdale, the mm-hmm. governor of the state of Missouri. Is he still the last one from the Kansas City area? Yeah. yeah. He's, he's the only one. The only one. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunate. I know. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like growing up with the Gov? I mean, do you remember the the campaign trail? Were you old enough for that whole process? I was, was not. That? I was too uh, – I was uh, – Two, when we did not win re-election in 1980, when Reagan and all the Republicans swept out, gotcha. all the Democrats pretty much. Okay. Um, but growing up, um, you know, everywhere we went, everyone wanted to shake his hand and yeah. and meet him. Yeah, it was pretty pretty special. He was a hell of a guy. Yeah. So why did he earn the name Walking Joe? So he had no money when he was <laughs> <laughs> when he campaigned, <laughs> which you can't do now. I know that's, that's <laughs> unfortunate. Um, so he in 1972 when he first ran, he he won in 1976. Gotcha. Um, but he was prosecutor of Jackson County and had been for a long time. Uh, but he had no money, so his campaign manager and him came up with the thing to literally walk the state. And this was before I-70 was built, so they walked oh, 50 through Sedalia uh-huh. and, and all that. And his campaign team would drive ahead to the next town and um, kind of set up a little town hall. And he would walk and just kind of meet all the, the people. And wow. he had the same pair of shoes. We actually have him bronzed in, in my mom's basement now. <laughs> that's awesome. He, he wore a hole through him. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but, yeah, but that's, uh, that's how he got the nickname Walking Joe. He walked the state to campaign and meet the people. Gotcha. And when he won, um, I guess 76, that would have been the same year that Carter came in. So he yeah. kind of was a victim to the the whole Carter to Reagan issue yeah. is what you said. Yeah. He actually won, um, I think like 200,000 more votes in 1980, but the politics were so tough with yeah. gas lines. I mean, people had to wait in line to get gas in their cars. There was, there was really no chance. Yeah. So when you guys, you know, you're two when he comes home and everything, but I mean, you said that everybody wanted to shake his hand. I mean, that having a dad like that, that, you know, was, I assume at least partially a social butterfly, if he's able to have that many people, he he could work a room. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, that's got to influence you a lot because, you know, that was kind of my question. It's like, okay, so if he wanted a certain time, you're old enough to kind of have started to become a certain type of individual or a certain person you're in school and that kind of thing. But if you're two, when he leaves office, and you're, you know, you're the son of the governor, you know, you're somebody who was watching this guy walk or work a room all the time. It's like that had to be a huge influence on you and something that you just kind of like either got by watching him or you just had the genetic ability to do it. I mm-hmm. mean, is your mom like that or is she? No, not. No, no, no. she's not. She's, <laughs> she's, I mean, she loves meeting people and talking to people. Yeah. but She's not. Um, she's not going to go table to table at events like yeah. my dad and I do. Gotcha. And what uh, did your dad do once he came back? Uh, he went into private practice. Nice. Um, he, an attorney. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Did that for a number of years, and unfortunately, uh, your family lost him, and I know that that's been a little rough, but, I mean, what a what a good dude. What a cool story. I mean, that's, you know, not many people have the background where they can say, like, one, my dad was the governor, and two, we have his worn-out shoes bronzed in the yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we still have this, the, the state seal of Missouri, a huge wooden state seal. It's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I took it to show and tell one time in grade school, and I dropped it. And so there's a, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little, little knob knocked out of it still. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's an even better story. Yeah. I'm sure it was. It probably didn't feel like it at the time. but <laughs> nah, I was so terrible. 
terrified bringing it back home. I was like, I, I broke the seal. <laughs> but yeah, it was a pretty special upbringing, both my brothers and my mom, and really our whole family, whole extended family. Yeah. Um, take a lot of pride in it. Yeah. It was. I'm sure it's amazing. I mean, like I said, not many people get to say it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was amazed when, when I ran for Congress as a third-party candidate, I still had people that were like, that's really cool that you did that. So I can't imagine winning and being governor of a state, <laughs> especially the one that you live in. It's not like you guys won and then we're like, oh, we don't want that. We want to move to California now. Mm-hmm. It's like you stayed here. You know, the only one that's been in Kansas City. It's like, that's a huge deal. So I can imagine that there's a lot of pride in that. And speaking of your extended family, you guys have a lot of people in it. Yes, we do. Yeah. The, so, the videos on Thanksgiving with like that 27 <laughs> turkey fryers. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Thanksgiving turkey fry is just incredible. We need yeah. to get you out to it. But yeah, yeah. it's all the the Southie Catholics and all their friends. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I think they had 15 turkey fryers set up Jeez. and everyone just comes in. The kids are running around, the dogs are playing and the dads have a cigar and a couple drinks. And yeah. when their turkey's fried up, they, they go on home. Is, is, <laughs> is there a lot of Jameson consumed at that one? There's a pretty fair amount. <laughs> yeah. Well, and my, my older brother's-in-laws are Tullamore Dew people. So there's, there's mm. a lot of Tullamore Dew as well. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. But so yeah. you have older brothers? Uh, one older, one younger. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So you're the middle child. Mm-hmm. Nice. So this, I want to talk a little bit more about this this turkey fry. So you have t- 15 <laughs> fryers, and how many people come to this thing? Because you posted uh, a video of it, and it's literally just 15 turkey fryers right in a row. Yeah, it's and an a bunch of adults line. making sure the kids don't run into them. Yeah, and then. It, it looks like in the video, just hundreds of people <laughs> just gathered around. Oh, there's easily hundreds. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and I was only there for the last couple hours. They start very early. <laughs> um, but yeah, they did. I'm trying to think. I want to say like maybe 150 turkeys okay. this last year. Yeah, Man. but yeah, the, the the local priests will come over and, <laughs> and we'll, we'll cook we'll cook their turkeys for their uh, for their people, and it's just incredible. And but is yeah. it family and friends or just family at this point? Family and friends. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. It's um, a lot of my older brothers, um, like where their kids go to school. A lot of those families. Gotcha. Um, some of my friends. Gotcha. In laws, a little bit of everything. Yep. Yeah. Nice. It, it started out many years ago where we had one turkey fryer we cooked one turkey and it just kept getting bigger yeah and then, so yeah like a stadium lot at this point yeah no yeah they actually had to move it this last year because it got so big it used oh, to be geez. at one of the one of my older brother's in-laws house mm-hmm. and that was great but then they decided to move it to their the local country club where they all belong oh my so God. we had it in the parking lot of that. <laughs> well that's and, when you know you're lucky i mean when you have that many family and friends that are coming mm-hmm. out to an event and i'm sh- assuming you guys probably know most of each other mm-hmm. so that's yeah, pretty it's nice. very much a reunion yeah it's yeah. pretty it's one of my new favorite traditions yeah. by far it's great <laughs> and you're uh so no kids yet for you but you've got I, I see this on Facebook all the time. Like you spoil your nieces and nephews absolutely rotten because it yes, just looks like you're the jungle gym most of the time. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever told any of them no. <laughs> and I'm sure your brothers love you for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. When I buy them um, cordless uh, karaoke machines for Christmas. <laughs> I've threatened them with drum sets. and I actually did that to my brother. It was not. I felt... I realized it at the time, but I don't think I realized what a mistake I'd made until he, my nephew opened the drum set and my brother just stared like daggers <laughs> at me. 
I don't even think it was my brother. I think it was his uh, his wife that was just like, you've got to be. Like, We're going to get you back so bad when you have kids. Did they set it up? Did they uh, let him use it? The I drum? think so. I think so. But it's probably like what my parents did to me. Like, they'd take the batteries out at some point. Yeah. So it's like. I oh, would, it's broken. Yeah. I had like a toy gun that was just like every time you clicked it, it was like. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden one day it didn't work anymore. I was like, well, what happened? I was like, ah, it must have broke. It's like, does it have batteries? No, it doesn't. No. I mean, not anymore. That's, yeah. That's too funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I've also nailed some presents. Like, there was one that I got, like, a little bicycle thing that you hooked up to the TV, and it was a video game, so it just took the energy away. That's a good gift. Yeah. And my nephew apparently would come downstairs and use it, and my brother was like, I was kind of frustrated because it was a video game, and then it was like, wait, he has a lot of energy, and now it's gone by, like, <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. like having a, a trampoline or something just to get that energy out. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, do you see anybody from the Kansas City Club these days? Uh, fair amount, yeah. I yeah. see Andy Funk, Mitch Kempker, Dan Nelson, um, Steve Bastash a lot. Nice. Um, talk to Steve Erickson, but yep. he has a lot of kids now, so yes. he, he doesn't <laughs> make it out as much as he used to. Um, see Cy Hunt a lot. Um, but yeah, that, kind of that core nucleus that we yeah. have, I That's see awesome. consistently, not often, but right. yeah. yeah. Uh, family obligations and everything mm-hmm. else opening up, work, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's, it's, they all grew up and started having families and they're responsible <laughs> people now. <laughs> and I'm sure tired all the time, just like us. Yeah. <laughs> but we do do, and I need to invite you, we do that fishing trip every spring yep. down to Rockbridge, the trout range. Yeah, and I do think this year I'm going to do it. I finally have time opened up. So, Excellent. Yeah. I've been trying to do that the last few years, but like last spring, it was like we just had Archer. And the spring before that, I can't remember, I think Nikki had like a trial or something, so she was out of town. So like it never has worked. Now it's like whatever date it is, I'm just blocking it off. Good. Like nothing happening. It's either the first or second weekend of April. Nice. Okay. I'll, I'll send it to you. But yeah, it's just... Oh man, it is, it is something. It is gorgeous. Yeah, the stories that come out of that are legendary. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> we'll talk about that. There's, there's a good thing. There's no cell phone coverage yeah. down there. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like our lake house. We, you know, the. It's not like we have big stories that happen there anymore. But it's like it, it's probably good that nobody can take video and immediately put it on Facebook. Like we mm-hmm. have satellite internet, so that takes up a lot of bandwidth. But. Yeah, probably a good thing. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> whenever I'm with my old uh, Notre Dame teammates, we always joke and how thankful we are that there was no video cell phones back then. Yeah. Because well, we would have been on ESPN all, all the time, time. <laughs> <laughs> for the stuff we got away with. Yeah. Well, and it's weird because, like, the, you know, stories like that, you obviously are just like, ooh, that's good. Like, even, you know, me, I wasn't, I didn't do anything crazy. I wasn't part of a football, like, I was in theater. Like, we did things that we thought were crazy. They were not crazy. <laughs> but it's like, now it seems like, man, if you make the wrong comment on any social oh. media, ESPN's talking about it. And you know, I can't remember if it was Kyler Murray or somebody. It was like they were holding off information on the guy. And then they posted it. It's like, how old was he? 15. Like, dude. Yeah. That one, that was seven years ago. But two, that was seven years ago. Like, mm-hmm. he's 22. If he did it now, I wouldn't be as offended as, like, yeah, a, if a normal situation. Yeah, did it as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, it's that whole social media thing is just. Yeah. It's a weird world, man. It really is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm not, I, I have been better about, like, the way that I post and things that I post because now I realize, like, when Facebook started, I had the .edu 
address. So I think I joined in like 06, but 07 is when they opened it up to everybody because they were like, oh, we can make way more money doing this. <laughs> and so when that happened, I just remember going, oh, no. Like I thought only my friends in college were going to see this. And now, yeah. and now mom's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they say that, like the Facebook account, if somebody applies for a job, that's one of the first things that the company will look at is their yeah. Facebook page. And if there's, you know, a bunch of... Mm-hmm. Rankus or whatever the word is, rowdy pictures. Yeah, they're like, hey, I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. Where's there's been um, a couple of situations where you know a friend of mine will do like you know the research online, and uh, you know they'll find something that's just crazy. Or coworkers will complain and say like, hey, you might want to check out what this guy's saying. And you'll go on it, and it'll just be some belligerent speech, you know, from any party. I mean, anybody can be that way, but mm-hmm. it's just like, dude. You can't like you can't just put that out there and think like what's well, my page like it's called social media yeah <laughs> it's open to the public uh-huh. at least make your account private at that point like right. you're gonna be that stupid don't don't do that yeah yeah oh man yeah that's like, especially with odd an organi- times. especially with an organization like you know what you work for you know you're you know you're a representative to the public so mm-hmm. you've got to really be it's like here's a picture of my dog. Throw the throw the camera away or throw the phone away That's when we go on the trips. Need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm definitely trying to be somewhat responsible yeah. on the social media account. Yeah, it was weird when I first, you know, when we had Connor, I was just like, boy. That that's a that's a whole new angle too. Like, not only do I have to be responsible professionally, not only do I have to be responsible for like the family and friends that I are seeing stuff online now, but now I've got to be responsible because this stuff will be there forever, whether you think it will or not. Mm-hmm. So it's like now I got to be responsible because my kid might see this stuff. Mm-hmm. So don't, Connor Archer, if you're listening to this in like 2035, <laughs> don't go to d- Dad's page in 06, <laughs> and, and don't talk to any of his Kansas City Club friends. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, no. Of course, at that point, it's like. Well, just do that, but I'll have more stories for their kids, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> You'll have the book on them, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's that I honestly have to say, like, that's one of the places I miss the most is the Kansas City Club, because I think that was just a wonderful place to get, you know, just have like your day or your couple of days every mm-hmm. month and just escape and see friends and and be out there doing your thing. What uh, what are you involved in these days? Or do you have any outside? I mean, I know you have outside organizations. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything close to that? Uh, nothing like the Kansas City Club, no. Unfortunately, I wish I did. Um, somewhat active in the, the mayor's race. Um, f- several friends of mine are running. So, oh, wow. Yeah, um, so that'll be interesting. Um, but really, for extracurriculars, it's uh, dog, <laughs> girlfriend, <laughs> yep. uh, nephews and niece. Um, so, yeah, I've, I guess, kind of chilled out a little bit, focused a little <laughs> bit. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been pretty nice. Gotcha. And have yeah. you gone to any of the, did you go to any of the Chiefs games this year? I assume you did. Oh yeah. 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 Went to the Jacksonville game, the rain game. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Went to the, then went to both playoff games. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We were at the time. AFC championship game and we, there's a picture I posted, I think on Instagram maybe, but it was like us, like you couldn't see, I had like this Mortal Kombat mask. Yeah. That was a cold day. So cold. <laughs> yeah. But I had that on and you just see us in the background looking miserable and then uh, we like at the end of the game, like when we went into overtime, I we, I hadn't moved my chair the whole time, and we were um, you know we were tailgating beforehand, so I'm just like sitting there you know crossing my legs, and I finally was like, uh, no, I'm not gonna see overtime because I gotta go. <laughs> so you left? I had to leave to use the restroom. Oh no! And then by the time I came back, they just marched down the field. Yeah. And like, ah. First, yeah. I can't believe you sat down during that game. We no, we, we were we standing were, up the okay, whole time. Okay, good, yeah. good, good, good. Yeah. yeah, no, there was no sitting down. I mean, we were. We were six six rows up, I think, but it was like right above that little 
it was the opposite side of the band. Okay. So where they've got like a little Bud Light Cafe set up. Yeah. So we were two rows up from that. So nice. we were really kind of just two rows up. And uh, when they're um, warming up, like Brady and Gronk were right there and everything. So a lot, of, cool. a lot of fun stuff being said to those two guys. Good. But, Good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once, when we lost that coin toss in overtime, I knew it was over. Yeah, I was like, I we can't stop these guys. That was... Yeah, but yeah, but what did I mean? Mahomes and those guys are just—it's it, got a future, man. Yeah, it feels like it, like the Royals did in like thirteen and fourteen. It's like, yeah. wow, these guys are gonna do something. Yeah, I was talking about that to somebody else. I think, oh, I met uh, Sean Flanagan for lunch, and uh, we were talking about that. I was like, I remember fourteen, like I was ticked off that night, and then the next morning I woke up and was like, we just, you know, one guy was in the World Series that beat us. Yeah, and outside of that, we win. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that's pretty awesome to know that like we've had hundred lost games and now we're you know going against the best pitcher in the world at that that year yeah and that's all it took and then of course like we just steamrolled the league the following year yeah that was awesome yeah bad feels like the Chiefs are kind of right right in that opportunity too yeah yeah it was neat in fifteen because Connor had just been born so he got the championship and I was like if Archer's born and the Chiefs get one we're gonna be very lucky we're gonna be very lucky family totally (laughs) that is very lucky that's great timing heck yeah. You're welcome, Kansas City. Of course, we didn't do it. We just won the AFC West and got to the championship game. But again, still awesome. Mm-hmm. That is. That's yeah. yeah. Get, get, have another kid. Win us another title. Oh no, no! All done. All done. Shops closed. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're around town and you're doing all this stuff, I mean, you know, the, like I was saying, I think in the very beginning, like something that's always been impressive to me is you, you know, when we go out to a restaurant, it's like here's this. You know, here's some of the stuff. Like, how can um, how can organizations around town can they help Litter CKC out? Like, one overall, like any time of year, but two, especially like when you guys have events going up. What's mm-hmm. what's the need you guys are really looking for? Um, it uh, I guess it would probably vary on the type of company. Um, for all of our events, we we do count on sponsorships. Yeah. Um, and there are all kinds of awesome benefits that come from that, from tickets and signage, mm-hmm. um, social media posts, things like that. Um, for like hotels, restaurants, people who are in the service type industry um, to donate a gift card for us to either utilize as an incentive for students for like attendance Mm -hmm. and performance or to auction off at our big event next spring. Um, The one thing everybody can help with because everyone has old books at home that they no longer use. Yep. We'll take them. Nice. We, We need donated books as many as possible like textbooks and not so much textbooks but from novels and easy readers like for us an example would be like hunger games is a great book yeah the harry potter's low um lower reading skill needed to read it but a page turner Mm -hmm. and children's books for our our family reading program nice yeah yeah um and then all that's on our website at literacykc.org nice very cool um let's see what else did i want to talk to you about we got so much out there. There's so many things that I want to talk about, but we have to do it off, off, uh, off the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so what? Uh, here's one. What made you um, go from? Because I know you you started off in nonprofit when you came back to Kansas City, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for a couple of years, you worked insurance. What made you come back? Like, what made you leave? And then what made you come back to nonprofit? Um, I think the the thing that drew me back was that I. Um, I really kind of enjoy being the, what I kind of see as kind of the middleman between those who can give help and those who need help. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been very fortunate in my, in my background and my, my network um, to kind of be able to, 
to do that role and do it well. Yeah. Um, and I love the nonprofit or um, the for-profit world. I, I worked for the Hake Insurance Company. They're yeah. just an incredible family. Yeah. Um, and I loved working with like the business owners and helping their employees. But um, yeah, my, my passion is as nonprofit work. So gotcha. when that opportunity came, I, I took it. Absolutely. And um, when you when you're working, like you said that you were involved in some of the political campaigns for mayor that are coming up, I mean, that's got to be one interesting because of the fact that, you know, it's a political campaign and you're talking about running for mayor of Kansas City and who's going to be next and next in line and that kind of thing. And I've already seen, you know, it's like, you know, fantasy football numbers and people who are already started like punch their ticket to run in 2020 for presidential elections. Right. Like all of a sudden a flood of people comes in and you've got to probably either choose like the couple that you're going to work for, or the one that you're going to work for. What, um, what has been your role when you get into political campaigns like that? Are you same kind of thing as you work, do the not-for-profit, like just kind of work in the room, talking to people, getting mm-hmm. them on board? And have you ever thought that walking John Teasdale <laughs> might be potential? <laughs> no. I was, uh, well, to answer the first question, um, it, it's more kind of advocacy. I, I don't yeah. raise money for him. That would be a conflict with, yeah. with my current job. Right. But, um, just as I'm talking to people, if, if that kind of stuff comes up, mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll talk about different candidates mm-hmm. um but for me in politics no my my, <laughs> my dad taught my brothers and me early that politics is it's a dirty business yeah it's i mean and he loved campaigning um and yeah I, I would imagine i would enjoy campaigning but once in office um like for example my dad had a lieutenant governor where when um if my dad left the state then the lieutenant governor's in power and he would put forward legislation that was in opposition of what my dad had done. Not because it was better legislation or better for the people, but just because he was of a different political party. Oh, man. And yeah, like, I, my so he had a Republican is, lieutenant governor? Yeah. That's got to be rough. Oh, yeah. It's, and it's not that way anymore, but mm-hmm. um, to work that hard just to be undermined yeah. all the time, I figure life's too short to want to help people and just have to bang your head against a wall to get it done. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting so. business because even the people that are the best at it still have to do those things. And the public might agree with it. The public might disagree with it, which is, again, a weird thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I just finished up – I should say I just finished up. It was a few books ago, but I went through a series on uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And uh, it was really good. Like It was like The Rise of Theodore Roosevelt, Theodore Rex, and then um, Colonel Roosevelt. It was like this three – I think it was like – I listened to it on Audible. Okay. That's how I listened to everything because I'm always on in my car. But um, – It was a really good series, but it was interesting because he was an absolute genius and like probably one of the most motivated people that we've ever had. I mean, to do a biography on that guy, it took three books. I can't imagine how many movies it would take to make a true biography (laughs) about the guy. But they were talking about um, there were two things that really stuck in my mind at the history professor that's a buddy of mine that will be on the podcast who will probably have to correct the story for me a little <laughs> bit but um he was the what was it assistant secretary to the navy at one point and the assistant secretary uh, or the secretary of the navy would eventually look like he'd like kind of go off during the summer and take his summers at his house and then he'd come back into washington and so theodore roosevelt would just be like yeah he didn't do this so I'm going to go ahead and take care of it. But I'm going to take care of it the way that I want to take care of it. Yeah. And so he would, you know, even though they weren't in session, he would still work all this stuff through. And the Secretary of the Navy was luckily kind of understood that this guy knew what he was doing, but also had to kind of lecture him, like, like in modern terms, like, dude, 
what are you doing? Yeah. Like, all you have to do is write me. That's the only thing you have to do. Just, and you just check just, in. Yeah, just say, like, what do you think about this? I'll give my opinion. We come to a compromise. You throw it out. He's like, yeah, but that's not what I want to do. And so he just kind of run roughshod through these departments <laughs> at times. And then as president, I think it was um, when he, like, a stat, like, kind of took all, like made all those national parks and national monuments and everything. Like he just did one fell swoop of that. Well, right before he kind of told the opposite party, like, yeah, I'm not going to, you know, we're going to do stuff like that, but it's going to be really minor. So why don't you guys go off session? And then he just like declared it immediately. Like, and here's all this land that you can't touch anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how do we trust you anymore? And with him, it was like, because 85% of the American populace loves me. Yeah. So you're going to have to deal with it. that's funny yeah so i mean even people like presidents that you absolutely respect and you appreciate i can Mm -hmm. imagine that you know anybody in politics is still going to have to deal with just a bunch of crap and there's no other way to put it yeah (laughs) that is tough work yeah um i need to get the title of those books from you by the way yeah i've got them upstairs all yeah cool yeah i've been um i went crazy this year on audible i was like all biographies for the most part and fell in love with the uh, Ron Chernow, who did. Um, he just recently came out with the, the Grant. Hamilton. That ha- I read the Grant and the Hamilton. The Grant yeah. book is fantastic. Yeah, it is so good. Oh man, I that was what. So I read um, the House of Morgan was the first one that I read. Okay, and that probably doesn't appeal to everybody, but with my background, I just loved it because it went J. from J.P. Like, Morgan. Yep, yeah, J.P. Morgan. But it went from um, his dad and how they got the House of Morgan started. And then it went to him, and there's, of course, a huge amount of information on that guy. And uh, pop my neck real quick. Mm-hmm. And then his son, and then who took it over from there, and kind of probably mid-'80s, how it kind of split off and how it currently is. But it went through the entire history of it. I would so definitely like that one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I've got a bunch. of there are, There's only one, and I won't say it with the name of it. I'll tell you what it is when we're upstairs. There's only one that I read this year that I wouldn't recommend. Okay. And it was just on somebody from history that I've, like, I wanted to read it because he's a very interesting character in history. But even a story I just never was interested in. But um, the Hamilton book was that was the one that I read right after House of Morgan, same author and everything. Mm-hmm. And I went through that. It felt like I read that one in like three weeks or two weeks or something because it was That's just impressive. so good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I read the Hamilton at Lake of the Ozarks. Nice at Alex uh, Howells. Nice. Not Alex Howell, Thompson. Alex Thompson. Yeah, yep. thank you. Wow. <laughs> um, it's like, I don't remember you reading much in my play. <laughs> <laughs> the words were very blurry. Um, well, and I got another author for you. I've been reading a guy named H.W. Brands, okay. who's a history professor at University of Texas. I'm, nice. I'm just finishing up his one on uh, Franklin Roosevelt. But yep. he, he, he writes just like Chernow. It reads more like a novel than yeah. like a history book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend him totally. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I just downloaded the last one that I have to get through with him, and that's the Warburgs, or the Warburgs. Okay. Um, it's a, a German-Jewish banking family, and it's like their story about how they started, and then they came to America and succeeded here too. And they're actually mentioned a lot in House of Morgan. So it was like, okay, well, that's a good way to kind of finish up the Chernow stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that Hamilton book was amazing. Yeah. And the fact that he basically put together our entire financial system in the beginning and kept it like that for 150 years or something crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He was just an incredible Mm -hmm. guy. And yeah, the fact that before the book and the musical that was based on him, Mm -hmm. I mean, Hamilton was kind of a not as appreciated as one of the founding fathers yeah. as all the other guys. Yeah. And then now it, it seems like he's kind of getting his due. Yeah. I can't remember if it was in the beginning, um, the epilogue or the prologue, when Trino kind of talks about the fact that it's like he might not be, not only because, you know, obviously the way he died and kind of his, he, you know, he was, he incited a lot of 
anger towards himself, we'll say. Mm-hmm. But um, he also, like, we never got to see him grow old. Like, yeah. Because of the because of the duel, you know, everybody just sees him as kind of a younger guy. We well, you don't see him with, you know, the, you know, everybody had the white hair at the time. But mm-hmm. it's like you don't see him having older features in his face. So we don't think of him as like a founding father. We think of him as that, as that one guy. But his role was absolutely pivotal, not only, you know, pre-Revolutionary War, during the Revolutionary War, but Washington's, especially in Washington, probably more so in mm-hmm. Washington's cabinet. Yeah. So the first yeah, secretary correct. of the Treasury. Yeah. Set and, up the banking system, yeah. our credit line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Thomas Jefferson hated him and then had <laughs> his secretary of treasury look up all the policies. And he was like, yeah, I can't find anything wrong. Yeah. Like he did everything right. When he wrote the, uh, oh gosh, what? Um, the Federalist Papers? Federalist. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was the author of most of those. Yeah. And you read through and it's like he was just throwing <laughs> up chapters every day. Mm-hmm. And to have, I mean, if you've read them, it's like to have that amount of knowledge and understanding, even of the document that you helped to craft. But mm-hmm. to really have that much understanding that you can just run through, you know, 25, 50 pages to explain one block of the Constitution mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. It is. Yeah. And the, the, I think one of the longest lasting impacts of his doing those explanations is how many court decisions mm-hmm. have been, you know, when they try to interpret the, the um, intention of the founding fathers in the Constitution, they lean on those Federalist Papers. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, because if you've ever printed out the Constitution, it's tiny. It's, yeah. it's a doc, you know, they add, you know, all kinds of laws every single year, and every single one of those laws is probably longer than the Constitution itself. <laughs> but when you look at the Federalist Papers, it's, you know, it's the appendix. It's everything that explains yeah. that, you know, okay, so this statement means this, and here's the 15 chapters that, you know, or 15 pages that belong to that little statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And then the Grant one. That was eye-opening because I think everybody kind of looks at Grant as like he had the most corrupt administration and he was just as, you know, kind of worthless drunk after the war. It's like he wasn't at all. Mm-hmm. He was a hard-working, you know, very humble guy that probably just relied too much on people that were more successful than he was. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, an absolutely incredible person. Yeah, he was yeah. amazing what he accomplished. and Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that stuck with me was when he was talking about, like, he would sell firewood like in his old like captain's uniform or colonel's uniform, whatever it was. And then they were about to give him a commission, but he felt that it was too low. So this guy that's making zero money was just like, nope, I'm not going to take it. It's too mm-hmm. low rank for me. Wow. Ah, that <laughs> belief in himself. Yeah. Yeah. And they gave it to him, and he just destroyed everybody on, on this side yeah. of the Mississippi. And I guess even further off. And then, and so they're like, okay, well, he's the one guy that's winning. Let's bring him over to the East Coast mm-hmm. and actually finish this war. Yeah. <laughs> bring him up. Let, let him beat Lee. Exactly. Yeah. So did you finish that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, so I get most of my books from the library. Yeah. Um, but so I don't buy many books, but I mm-hmm. think I might buy that one because I want to read it over and over again, <laughs> especially all the, yeah, during the war yeah. part I just loved with him and Sherman and their interactions with Lincoln. Yep. I mean, it's just incredible what what those guys were able to hold together and keep our country together. Yeah, well, and Lincoln just de- knowing that he could depend on him, like mm-hmm. he couldn't depend on any other general except for him. Exactly. Yeah, that's, I mean, the the foresight to be able to see that and somebody in his position that's fighting a war and being blamed for everything and to have just trust in one general that nobody has a really good opinion on except mm-hmm. for maybe Sherman. Yeah. Like, yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grant was undermined by Halleck and so many people. And yep. Yeah, with the, uh, and he had been a drunk, but yeah, they all try to bring that up all the time. And yep. McLennan, and they just were, yeah, d bags. Mm-hmm. Completely. <laughs> yeah. And I just finished up Washington, which he has a lot of people like that too that just constantly tried to undermine him. 
and he just like kind of rose above the situation. It pissed him off, and they talk about like he was not the stone faced guy that has been told throughout history. He had he had a temper, but he would just kind of let people bury themselves. Yeah, then he was fine. He was good to go. But yeah, the with Grant, the the my a buddy of mine who like, like I said was going to come on. He uh, he was telling me about I think it was Vicksburg. They were like going through the fog, and you know they he. Trineau paints a really good picture of what that battle looked like. It's like, you know, they had so much gun smoke and, you know, smelled like blood and all this other stuff. Horrible situation. But, he thought, but my buddy Corey was like, yeah. The other part of that is he was just kind of like he knew he had more men. He's like, keep going. But it's foggy and we're getting shot at. Like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. We'll win. You're fine. Keep going. And like, he just kind of pushed his guys. And it was like, even though he was taking losses, mm-hmm. which he had, you know, he got obliterated in the press for, but even though he was taking losses, it's like, this is how we win. So keep mm-hmm. going, keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he, he was one of the first generals to really incorporate land and water mm-hmm. aspects with the gunboats and everything that he yeah. had them run the gauntlet so they could get below Vicksburg on the river. Yep. And that's how they took him. But that was like a brand new concept back then to incorporate yeah. land and water forces. And he, he saw it and he mastered it. Yeah. That's amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Well, do you want to end on that note? <laughs> yeah, win the war. Win the war. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one to, to end on. <laughs> yep. So um, so we obviously didn't end on the literacy KC part, but I think you covered it really, really well. And uh, so if we talked about donations, but how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to donate? I mean, obviously go to the literacykc.org. Dot org. Dot org yeah. website. Um, their, what's their office number there? Do you know? Uh, 816-333-9332. And how does somebody follow you? Are you on social media? Do they follow yeah, you? Yeah, face, fa- just Facebook and LinkedIn, just okay. John Teasdale. You'll, um, you'll know him because you've got the picture of you and your dog. Yeah, look, yeah. look, for, <laughs> look for the nephews and the niece and the, and the golden retriever. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, what's your email? Uh, J Teasdale, T-E-A-S-D-A-L-E at literacykc.org. Awesome, man. Well, again, thanks for coming on. Thank you.